0: Welcome to the Bullpen Session. This is Patrick Lillis. Glad you're here. Glad you're listening. Beautiful week and uh, excited to share. I had a conversation with my friend Katie Mack. Look forward to sharing that with you. I was wrapping up season five of our Bullpen Session and uh, really looking forward to talking to somebody, trying to think, uh, you know, who came out of the pandemic doing work that it's inspiring to me. And Mack is one of those people. Um, you'll hear talk about the year of yes and creating shows through experience in her life, but also currently creating a show using tech and interactive use with the audience and has a podcast she created during the pandemic that she learned how to produce and edit and do everything called fucking sober. And it's completed its second season. And it's really, really good narrative podcast about that experience and just was inspired by all the work that she was able to do during this time and coming out and you know reimagined still an actor and still doing live theater and things but doing reimagining what is possible and you know I appreciated it because I'm you know I was thinking about it, my conversation with the and uh, classics was really inspiring and then you know just thinking about what's next the funny next season the farm will be 10 years old and you know, that feels like the industry is changing and as you're cultivating early career artists, like, okay, what's next? What is the work that will, you know, obviously skill building training's still there. People need to, you know, know how to act, know how to write. But what are the steps that will get them to the next level in building a career in this? And I've been thinking about it and I think conversation with Mac that you'll listen to is one of the things of really just reimagining how we engage in the art and technology is part of that and uh, she's doing it very well very successfully in an exciting ways and so that was one of the reasons i wanted to talk and and um uh, because you know as i think about it and i'm always wanting to hear from you so feel free to email me at patrick at the dot org on what's useful you know as things are moving forward in our career and i think and it has shifted you know the self-tape is a new thing so obviously how do you make that and uh What's the most effective way to be, I don't know, to stand out? And, uh, and how do you engage in building relationships with people if you're not casting directors, if you're not getting in the same physical space? Uh, you know, just, just looking at it, and that's one aspect of it. But in creating work, uh, Mac is an inspiration and somebody I really enjoy talking to. And so with that, I look forward to sharing the conversation and play ball
1: well um i'm working on first uh, ugly cry which is um an interactive uh solo show where we ask the audience to bring their phones to the theater and interact with me during the show while i sort of uh, navigate, navigate grieving in the twenty twenty third century is what I start to call it. Um, and then I'm working on season three of fucking sober, which is a podcast that I have. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm going to talk about, uh, fucking sober in a second, which is a brilliant, brilliant podcast and proud of that. Your success. Um, how do you, what's your vision with the, with the interaction with the phone? Cause you know, most people are like, please turn your phone off.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I, I, uh, it has like, uh, it has a little bit of a backstory. So I'll sort of start at the beginning, which is you know just sort of the the influx of phones coming into the theater and and this sort of battle with uh, live theater and the audience, um, which is turn your fucking phone off, right? Like just turn it off and be present. And I think there's a lot of merit to that. Um, and I love going to the theater for that, you know, and and I love you know having uh, been swept up into the story and not having to look at my phone however um yeah I I live in sort of the world of um well if it's not working right so like if we keep battling with this thing is there another option right so like um you know if you're if your two-year-old's having a tantrum and you just keep like smacking him and it doesn't fix anything is there another option And this also kind of collided with the fact that I am a millennial. I am the sweet spot millennial. I was born in 1986. And so I remember coming of age, meaning like becoming an adult, um, when the internet was coming and when phones were coming. So my relationship with phones, you know, is strongly related to like me figuring out, um, you know, how I'm going to present while I'm like flirting um, how I'm going to present in, uh, to other people, to, uh, you know, first it started off on like, a hey, well, instant messenger. How am I going to present to strangers? Do I like that version of myself? And then, um, onto phones. And then, um, I just was very, very aware that, um, these relationships, um, whether it be like, via text message or, um, online strangers, or, uh, when we get, when I get older now, I'm in my late twenties, you know, with online dating, um, and the world of Instagram, it all felt very real. And, um, we sort of have this argument that that stuff isn't, isn't real, but I do think that, you know, they all bleed into each other. So, uh, I I had been exploring this question of, of bringing phones into theaters and telling stories with our phones. It's really started in 2017 when I did a solo show called hashtag no filter. And it's a 20 minute show in which I had previously hired. I hired two actors to make two fake Instagram accounts and we had them. uh, I like would give them prompts and they would do, um, they would post pictures and captions. And my favorite part of the story is that unbeknownst to me, um, they actually, cause they had to meet in person and take pictures. They developed a relationship and they continued to date each other for the next, I don't know, four or five years. And I think when they broke up, it was like telling, you know, like their family, they, they like, they like told me like they were like, and you know, when they got together, they told me and I was like the first to know. And then when they broke up, it was like, Hey, Mac, I just want to let you know, like, it didn't work out. But it's like not your fault. And, um, and, it, and I was, I was kind of, I was kind of sad uh, because I watched them blossom online. Uh, so, so what I did with the solo show is I, I had a, a 20 minute show in which, and it was kind of like a kind of like millennial tongue in, tongue in cheek kind of thing, where I would say like, they fell in love because they both posted breakfast. And sort of this, this idea of like, what is the universe and what is algorithm? Um, What are the ways in which you fall in love with strangers? What are the ways in which we um, make things real by posting them and having witnesses? And, um, and, and, and so I asked the audience during the show to toggle back and forth um, between these two um, profiles. And I just told the story. It, it was in the world of successful uh, successful as an idea um people were not ready this was in 2017 which is not that long ago but also in the world of technology and I believe how we all use our phones a long time ago so so that was the insetting incident uh, for me really executing this idea that um, there's like a, there's like a decorum online there's like an intuition online and that we were we're just starting to talk about stuff like, oh, he blocked me. Um, Or I made a fake Instagram to check up on my friend who no longer speaks to me. Um, Because I think these are very real parts of our lives. And at the same time, we're talking about how much screen time we're on. Uh, You know, we're all, you know, making New Year's resolutions to not be on our phones. And yet, and yet, and yet we are. So... (laughs) Yeah.
0: So how are the people in twenty twenty three? We've evolved seven years. How are they going to grieve hard with you?
1: <laughs> well, home? Yeah. Grieve hard is the old OG name. It's now Sorry. called ugly cry. No, 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 don't apologize. You know, all the insight. Um, so I, I think like uh, collective grief has become something that we've talked about um, uh, all through twenty twenty. Um, right. We have the pandemic. We have the public killing of George Floyd. We have uh, a a bunch of people trying to um, speak out and make social issues aware. There's more divide online um, on these platforms and blogs and um, news outlets than ever. And I think we spent more time online, so it sort of compressed and expedited things. And also, meanwhile, we have these other mediums, um, all these visual arts mediums that are asking and encouraging people to use their phones and people are buying in. So the difference even between 2021 and 2023 I think is actually quite profound. I can't go into a uh, like a modern art exhibit or, or a um, or even like the Natural History Museum without being able to at, at the bare minimum find a QR code um, and and at the, the bare maximum um, entire AI or augmented reality um, exhibits. And, uh, not just 20 year olds and 30 year olds, but you know, people who are uh, attending these things, um, happen to often be in their sixties and seventies and they're game they're playing because all through the pandemic to keep in touch with friends and family, they, you know, got the cell phone, started doing the FaceTime and, um, learned, learned a little bit of fluency with their phones. And so kind of all of these things together helps me feel encouraged to make a live theatrical piece around it. And grieving is a collective experience. Um, Or I, I believe that grieving requires witnesses. So, um, and I I think all true healing does. I don't think many people will argue with me with that. Of course it's a private and personal experience, but I, I, the like number one argument from like any grieving human is like, why don't we talk about this? Um, but if you go online and if you go online on Instagram or a uh, hashtag grief talk on TikTok, um, you will find an entire community um, that is primed and ready to have conversations around grief and whether or not you will find that person at your office, you will find them in the niche that is the online space. And Um, it's becoming more and more obvious. And I really admire the way in which some of those conversations are like (laughs) gut-wrenchingly vulnerable. And there's always a difference between like vulnerability porn and sharing, but we all kind of know the difference. And we see it in real life too. Like we know the person who tells the story that like can cry on command. That's like vulnerability porn in real life. Um, And we can sort of see it on the internet too. And I I just think that... um, You know, the internet space allows every single person the opportunity to be a creative expresser. Um, And that can be in the form of uh, a post. It can be in the form of a picture. It can be in the form of uh, a repost. And I really, I find it the most accessible way to be a creative. And I I love accessibility in the arts. So that's sort of where my theory comes from.
0: And so you're gonna an ugly cry is a journey of your grief that you're engaging the audience to share their grief, or at least yeah. the fairness of it.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like let me go first. Um, it's it's the it takes on this idea that we have somebody who does dive a little deep in terms of trying to access her feelings. Um, and I she essentially she me um discovers more about her now dead XXX boyfriend, um, and all of the content he's put on the internet. And that's something about the internet that we've all discovered. It's sort of ephemeral it lives forever. And, um, uh, in the same way that we can pick up Shakespeare and fall in love with him and his brain. And we have entire classes and academics devoting to them. Um, I have definitely developed crushes on people via their Instagram uh, profiles. And um, Eric is somebody who uh, had a lot of online footprint. And this character sort of refalls in love with him. Um, and then with the, with the technology that I call accessible technology she's able to sort of re-engage with him. And by accessible technology, I mean, she's not a computer scientist. Um, she's me. She's someone who plays <laughs> on the internet and um, and spends some time. And she gets a little lost, but it sort of helps her. Um, it gives her a space and a place to um, be with her dead friend and um, also uh, be in her her grief sort of, messily which she which me and she hadn't necessarily found um in in real life as much I'm very very open so I sort of really forced my grief on a lot of people but um that's new yeah Yeah.
0: well interesting because I'm going to change a little in topic because you said you're new to technology or you're not She's you Uh, Because you're also producing a third season of your podcast, "Fucking Sober," and congrats! You know the first season won won the Webby Award, right, for best writing, best series. Yes,
1: best writing, and was nominated for best limited series. Uh, But we got best writing.
0: And how many downloads do you have?
1: (sighs) It's embarrassing because I can literally say, as of this morning, because there's an app for that, um, we have 134 thousand downloads.
0: Yeah, which is incredible because uh, how many? Ep- well, forget that. It's two seasons and you should check it out. At Fucking sober. You can find it anywhere, but uh, not actually here to plug, here to ask you if you were to say, oh, I'm not that savvy. That person's me. You created it and then you produce it. And yeah. what, let's start with the simple thing What what inspired you to do it?
1: Uh, it, uh, like everything. Um, you know, I think it, I remember when I, I, I got into theater because, um, I saw solo shows and I just, I, I watched solo shows on, I think my teacher literally used VHSs of like, uh, like Spalding gray and, uh, um, I, I, and I I just was so I was so moved by the sort of like clarity of thought um, and sort of like hyper specific personal experiences. Um, but I don't know if that was like my pull into theater. Like, I don't know if I like bought it Um At the same time that I sort of was like falling in love with theater and creativity, um, I was also and have been uh, battling drug addiction and alcohol addiction for the majority of my life. Um, I was a heroin addict until I literally became an actor. I realized I could not do both uh, some people can, I could not, I was a functioning heroin addict. I, a lot of people don't know what that means. Uh, I like still went to school. I still had very tumultuous, like awful relationships. I, you know, I, I did what you do in your twenties, except I also did drugs. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's just, I think it's a, it's a, it speaks to a little bit of just like, like one thing leads to the other. Um, I stopped using drugs when I decided to become an actor. And in 2017, um, I had stopped trying to drink and I was unable to. And so Fucking Sober came out of the idea that um, as I was so unable to function, I was like pacing up and down uh, the platform in New York City. And And I remember knowing that I wanted to make a change, unable to make that change looking for resources, but, um, your nervous system is just so, uh, impatient and I couldn't, and I loved the medium of podcast. I couldn't sit and watch anything on TV. Everything on TV about addicts is like, Oh my God, like so depressing. Um, uh, I, and I couldn't listen. And at the time podcasts were a thing and I couldn't listen to two people having an interview about, uh, addiction because if they were, Having the interview, they were probably on the other side of it in some way and they were doing well. And I fucking hated them. I hated everything about them. You guys don't get it. I'm more messed up than you. And I sort of wanted to listen to somebody who was not doing well, but doing it anyway. That's sort of the way I've been describing it. So I came up with this idea um, and I knew I wanted it to be Sonic um, because I don't have I don't know how to make a TV show. That's really it. My brain is very small. Um, and I thought making uh something that you could put in your ears, um, like a I, I, like a you know, a podcast, um, felt possible. And then I then I sort of like did sort of like a Google dive and I found there's something called PRX um podcasting garage, and they were looking to like develop shows. And so I I applied to this sort of mentorship and I did not get it. And um, But that to me was enough to make it almost feel like I had a good idea. And I started to formulate around the idea of the first 90 days because addicts, we really sort of honor the newcomers so we can remember how difficult it is. And um, uh, speaking to the question of like, literally how did you get sober is something that somebody asks me often. And then I made, uh, I decided I wanted it to be a limited series. I was not interested in doing the same story for, you know, 12 years. Um, I find that like weirdly brave. And at the same time I was seeing, I was seeing all these things happen. Like, like fleabag happen. Uh, you know, it's like a limited series. Only when we did a second season, was it because we got new information? You know, the audience had new information. So I, it all sort of came about from, uh, this desire of something that I really, really wanted and I couldn't, and I didn't see. And, um, and then the pandemic, the pandemic happened and I had written this thing and I didn't quite know what it was yet. And I think it was a podcast and I was kind of embarrassed that it was maybe I'm going to, Oh my God, I'm going to make a podcast, which was even less cool back then. Now
0: everyone has one, but like,
1: you know, including this one. Um, I, but, but Wait, all
0: frankly, that, this one's five years old. It was, before before we were mocking them
1: right you're like you're like i was cool before it was cool um before it was so cool that we made fun of them um so
0: you are doing something different i mean i'm i'm talking to you about theater and your journey and but you're making a narrative limited series you're making that you're right that was not very common and and but now it's a little more so and it
1: just needed to be. I mean, the inspiration came from in Alcoholics Anonymous. We do something called the qualification. You sit up at the front of the room, you tell your story for 20 minutes, your experience, strength, and strength and hope. And it is it's profound, you know, and it and it's been around since I don't know, the 50s, right? Uh so 30. The 30s. I know. I actually I you know, let me go get my big book. Um, I know, right? Uh my sponsor is like. Come on, Mac. We read this. Um, I. But I, you know, like this this idea of telling stories in order to incite change. that's since the dawn of time, the idea that it sticks and it works and makes people feel less alone. That's what we do here as creatives and performers. None of this is strange. Um, but it sort of gave me the inspiration um, because I had felt it, and um, I became sober again in. I mean, I'm a constant relapser In 2019, October 6, 2019. No, yeah, I'm three and a half years sober. Um, You're and right. So, and, thank you. Uh, but I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing it for over 12 years, and uh, it's starting to stick.
0: Um, so that's good.
1: But uh, yeah.
0: But then, telling the narrative, you did you did you go about teaching yourself to produce? So, uh, because they're great. I mean, people should listen because it's not, it's not 10, the limited series is not 10 qualifications, you know, right? 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 It's a, right. It's a narrative and it's a story and it's so many things over. It's well and really well produced, uh, in my unbiased opinion. Um, I, well, the I, thing.
1: I, the thing about it is, again, like, you know, I think when you have an idea, you sort of have to pick your head up and look around. Um, and I and I really I, I suffer from uh, just thinking I'm an idiot constantly all the time. And I kept being like, somebody else is going to make this. Somebody else is going to make this. Somebody else is going to make this. I'm going to wait for it. Um, but I picked my head up and I was looking for I, I kind of knew how it was going to sound. I think this happens to us a lot. Um, and we're looking for. Um inspiration. And um at the same time that I knew I wanted to make it, I had sorry, sorry, I had written this thing. I think I knew what it was. Um, I went into the medium. So I knew I knew I wanted it to be a podcast because I wanted it to be private. And there were two things that gave me confidence that were already made in the world. One was Appearances by Sharon Mashihi. It is brilliant. Um, it uh, it sort of talks about um, she's Iranian American. She talks about her experience um, uh, with fertility and becoming uh, the desire to become a mom later in life and her relationship with her family. And um, uh, it was produced through mermaid palace, which is a network and, um, and she's a theater person and where my sneaking suspicion lied and all I needed was, a confirmation that she did it was that I knew that I needed to do this myself. I knew I needed to sound design it myself and she sound designed her own show herself. So, and it's, and it really is. And she makes all the music. I mean, she's kind of incredible. Um, and she voices a lot of the characters. It's more solo show than fucking sober is. Um, but that's all I needed. That was it, that it was possible. Um, and I'm not saying she was the only one doing that, Um, I'm sure there are other examples. Uh, I also listened to Dirty Diana, which is a um, a show starring Demi Moore. It is about, it's like about this woman who is struggling with her own sexual desires and sort of creates a podcast where women feel safe to uh, speak about their sexual desires. And that's her like double life while she's like leading this other life and it's a little meta in that way it's like it's it's kind of like soft porn in fact the the people who sponsor it are um they're this uh eth- ethical uh porn porn site i can't remember the name of them but i i get and it it was very much narrative storytelling and a little meta so those those two examples were the things that changed me or a lot, gave me the confidence i guess
0: and, well that's great and i the confidence is amazing cuz then you went in and did it and did the work and i'm one of the reasons i wanted to talk to you actually besides that i love talking to you is all of the you know i think since the pandemic happened i think about who's really figured out a way to be productive and remain you know creative and artistically active and you know you've created this these two projects we're talking about you also uh did break up content. And I don't yes, know what the solo, solo show is called. We'll talk about that in a second. But like, how do you figure out, how did you figure out how to, why do you have 134,000 downloads? how did you figure out how to market it? And do you think there's a marketing thing or is it just you being willing to share yourself fully social media, other places?
1: I, I really think like, it's a like all art. It's a product of a couple things. Um, the fact that it came out during the pandemic was really important. Um, people, I I noticed an influx in the sobriety community, um, being present online. Um, and so I, I really do think that in one way I saw the wave and caught it. That doesn't mean I was ready. Um, and again, it is like as cool as 134,000 downloads are, um, uh, there is no marketing behind it. Uh, we did an Instagram as a landing page. You know, we don't uh, buy, there's no no network has picked this up. Um, we don't have any ads. Um, it was really important to me for, to make it the way that I wanted to make it. And I didn't want to um, interrupt it with ads. That's not to say I won't maybe do so in the future because I would like to pay myself someday. But um, I, I I needed to put my own, I need to put, literally put my money where my mouth was. And I didn't have the confidence to ask, uh, people to do that so what I have asked for is donations like if you like the thing uh, you know donate to making more of the thing but um, I, I really I think it did uh, it does well and is doing well because I was very clear about what I wanted to do and um, I kept on that clarity and I was telling an experience that I knew very very well while also giving myself creative freedom. So my name is Katie Mack, but um, my character's name is Anita. That's my middle name. And um, I gave myself just enough breath away from the main character to create a a slightly different world so I could create conflict and have ups and downs. Also in the world of sort of like memoir writing, it allowed me to fictionalize people or combine people. Um, And I didn't know where the story was going when I first started writing it. I just knew that, um, I, or I knew the beginning and I knew the end, but I didn't quite know what I was going to, um, tackle in between. And, um, I, I think it hits because there is a, a format. There is a very specific lens. Um, and there's a, like, there's a message and an objective. And a lot of it is, um, I, or the biggest thing is, is that like without other witnesses, the show can't work and without sort of like witnesses to your healing and sobriety, um, that character can't get sober. So there is a little bit of this sort of like meta thing where she's sharing, but she has to share and she needs a witness and without the witness, it doesn't work. So you need, you ask the audience, I mean, it happens at the theater. So you're like, the
0: audience becomes, becomes your scene part even though there's scenes in it and there's other characters in it and there's you know things that happen in the narrative story along the way that engage people but the audience is if it were a meeting you know the audience is in the meeting yeah they're yeah. hearing the story uh it's really great i am going to jump to i was going to say the breakup content but there was this thing you did i find it amazing because i think you, did, you had this year of yes it seems like where you're like which which I, you know, at the end of the year, you can tell me where you're at now, but because you found a way to, you know, when the pandemic's happening, there's no art, you know, there's no theater is not happening. Not that there's no art, there's a lot of art on was happening online and as things we're talking about that you were doing with podcasts, but there's no, you know, there's no off Broadway, there's no theater, there's no, Uh, traditional ways of making a living or or finding ourselves as artists. And I thought it was interesting that you took a year of yes and and just said I'm going to go and do what I need to do and I'll find a way to make things. And I'm not going to ask why you did it because I think there's a play called Breakup Content and it's inspired (laughs) by a breakup but it's also inspired by having a car and also by the time in the globe where we were. Um, What do you think you got out of the saying yes to everything? And give me an example of what yes was.
1: So it's kind of funny because I love the term, the year of yes. It feels like I made a lot of decisions to just say yes, where I kind of think the actual year, it's now been almost two and a half years of this is what am I going to do? Not do it which is slightly different than yes, if that makes sense. Um, I, you know, I do think, of course, there's a lot of value to taking space and reflecting and choosing. But um, I don't know if I'm going to be one of those people that does that. Um, I suffer deeply from playing catch up as an addict, as somebody who's not an an academic, as somebody who um just feels behind constantly um i kind of just more or less just think like why not and i do believe that like life is an amalgamation of just like a bunch of things and i know that everything i've done has sort of bled into other things i've done it's a little bit like i know that my current partner without my other past traumas i wouldn't have met this person and i sort of feel that way about a life in the arts. And for me, I'm just, um, I'm really, because I don't have like a solid community, because I've moved. And in New York City, I just like constantly moved because I'm always chasing love, because I'm um, inherently flawed. Uh, I have really tried to, um, I find a lot of deeper understanding with myself in sort of a public reflection. Um, I can't journal by my, I can't journal for me. I can journal for you though, stranger. Um, So that's where that comes from, this sort of like, how would I express it to the other? Um, Because I don't need to express it to myself. I know that um, my world is falling apart, but how can I express it to somebody else so they really get it? And I use the online space to really do that. I mean, I, I don't know if anyone, like if you go to my Instagram, you're not going to be like, wow, she's like so creative, but I found a lot of like, you know, I, I found a great space to, um, to reflect and, uh, and during that reflection started, things started to come up. Um, so basically, you know, um, people suggesting I go visit places. Sure. Why not? Um, Uh, People suggesting I come and do a a show for them. Sure, why not? Um, uh, For somebody who so desperately can't pitch themselves in a positive way, the online space has sort of forced me to still be seen. So um, uh, in like small moments of – small moments of – like joy or pain, I've shared them. And then people have come to my rescue. So um, I I don't know. I think it's
0: interesting because I, you know, sometimes I think when people are using social media, you know, for the career and stuff, and there are people who are very, who don't, and they have fine careers. And I think like, oh, how do you balance that? What's the right thing? Blah, blah, blah. But it's interesting if you're using it as a way to share and communicate with the world. And then people are saying, Hey, will you come to New Hampshire and do a play or will you come to, and I'm going to get the wrong state, but Washington assistant director film, you right. know, or something. Um, th- that's a community of people who are connecting through what you're putting out, you know, and, yeah. that's, right.
1: I, and that's what, I mean, I kind of, I, I think I must've gotten it wrong, but I, I thought that's what everyone was doing. Like, uh, like I, of course, like, you know, in the same, like, I, like, uh, m- my inside joke with myself is that it's like code switching because you are using code to sort of like present in a particular way. Um, but I think we just have all facets of that and we get to choose to highlight what we want to highlight and it doesn't have to all be good. Um, which I just think is like very human and I'm definitely not the first person to do that. And I'm very inspired by other people who do that. Um, but it came very easily because I don't have any misgivings that my life is glamorous or that I'm doing incredibly well or that I'm not flawed. Um, I am positive. I am all those things. And, um, as I'm getting older, I'm sort of realizing that everybody feels that way too. Um, so it's, it makes, I think it allows you to feel braver and braver, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I owe my, like so many reasons why I'm so interested in this space of the internet and social media, um, and even chat, uh, GPT and AI uh, integrated software is because I just, I, I actually don't necessarily have another lens. I really did grow up with this stuff. Um, you know, and it, and it, uh, very much influenced who I am Um, and I and I've watched it influence other people. And I kind of think the denial of that is rather. um,
0: Dumb. That's it. Like, well, it's true, it's it. But but I also find it I find it fascinating because you do generate the content because I'm thinking you started in theater. Right. I did. I do. I still do do. Yeah, I still do theater. theater. You do live theater. So it came. It's not like, oh, I only are in interactive social media and I'm only right, 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 right. This way and doing film and podcasts and stuff because you started there where without me asking too much about that, where did the maybe you talked about it already, but the courage Where did the producer self come in? I think that takes a confidence. I mean, it's, it's, I battle it to, but I have to produce to generate. This is, it's
1: a, I think it's a really, really actually, uh, what a great question, um, because I really think it's quite mysterious. Um, And it, and it's one of those things that like a lot of times people sort of say like, I don't know, you just like figure it out. But for me, again, I come from, let's imagine that you are normal and you don't think that you that you don't, you don't walk around thinking everyone needs to listen to what I have to say, right? You're sort of like, oh, I kind of want to make this thing, but I don't know how to make it. Um, the thing that I started to do and the ways that I invested the extra quote unquote funds that I had, I don't really know if they're extra, um, uh, is in, uh, I went and sort of, hired other people. So I found somebody who, um, like for fucking sober, I found someone who has now become my best friend. Her name is Tani Lara. She is incredible. She just wrote an incredible book called Dry Humping. It's coming out in September. There's my plug. Um, Anyway, um, I, I, she didn't know me. She doesn't know me from Adam. So I gave her, I reached out to her and I said, hey, would you be interested in helping me develop this show? Meaning like, will you, for fucking sober. And I, and I paid her money, right? Like that was it. So like I paid somebody else to basically reflect back to me that I was the real deal. She doesn't know that I'm not the real deal. I actually didn't act like I was the real deal. But I said, hey, and she didn't. she doesn't make podcasts. I just saw a confident person who lived in the sober space online. I knew I needed to find my audience online because of the nature of podcasting. And I knew it was the cheapest way to do it. And so I, I found a person to help person me figure were, who I
0: was. And were you bouncing off script or production?
1: Uh, just script. Um, and again, like there's so many things around. Okay, so the first thing was script. And then she said, hey, I'm writing an, an article about the best 50 podcasts in the recovery world. And I want to put fucking sober on it. I hadn't made it yet. And she had just read the script and. Uh, so that was like, so then I, then we added a deadline, right? So there's like, there's a lot of ways in which like producing sort of has manifested for me. It's often manifested in like, um, uh, competitions, right? We see this with like a lot of screenwriting and uh, playwriting, like competitions, um, uh, festivals, um, and these deadlines are arbitrary. Like nobody cares if you make them, but you end up caring a lot. Um, and I think they they are necessary and, you're, unless you're a really good planner, you have X amount of weeks and you realize that you're just going to have to figure it out. You sign up, you, Oh yeah. Like what, what did I do with one of my plays that I took to, um, like uh, one of the fringe festivals, right? Like I signed up, I made up what it was about. The script was not written and great. I was going to Florida. Like that was just it. And, um, this, I just think it continues to be this idea that I like really hate. Like, I'm so mad that I'm saying this, but it's like, um, making commitments a little bit before you're ready. Like, I don't know what it's like to get married, but I imagine for a second, you're like, I could do this with this person. And then you like, like, then you ask them to marry you. And then like between asking them to marry you and getting married, there's the, like, Making of the whole goddamn wedding and who to invite and arguments and playlists and clothings and food and diets and all that stuff. And you figure out whether or not you're going to be able to get married. And honestly, whether or not the relationship lasts is neither here nor there. The finish line is between the proposal to getting married. The accomplishment is the marriage. And then there's whole other fallouts after that, right? Like I could produce something and make something and it could bite me in my butt later. But that I don't know that at the time. Right. So I, I think it's just, I think it's a little bit of the combination of getting other people to reflect who you want to be back to you. Uh, and sometimes that, that costs money, but I don't think it actually costs as much money as we think. So it's sort of like, you got to Like no one's coming to me. No one's begging me to make anything. In fact, There might be some people who are telling me that they wish I would stop, but I, I can't, I die. So it's a combination of, am I going to die? Uh, or am I going to put a little bit of money to make myself feel like I'm a person that belongs in the world? Do I have friends, uh, friends and, and people like you, for example, I've done this with you, um, to make me feel like I'm real. And then, um, do I have a deadline? And the, the producing comes out of that. That's really it.
0: Yeah. It sounds like the need to do it. And then you figure, you know, and it's funny because we talked about fucking silver a lot, but when I said, you learned how to produce, you learned how to sound design, you learned, you know, and all of it. And I think it's, it's doing the work to figure it out. And also not only do you want to control it, but you said a couple of times, but there's also the idea of you knew what it wanted to sound like and, you thought, well, the way to do that is if I do it. And I think when you talk about it's a very bold thing to submit. It's very funny. I used to do this in college. I would pitch. I had these two sort of political satire comedy shows. and each time I would pitch them to the student group to produce them, but nothing was written. you know <laughs> And so when you said it, I was like, yeah, it's great because if they approve it, then we're going to go do it. You know, and I think when you said that about Florida, I love that idea of like, here's a show I want to write and I want to create. And if you pick it, I have to make it.
1: And that, I mean, I think that's, that's it. And again, at the end of the day, like the stakes are actually quite low, like in reality, right? Like if I had gotten accepted, I got accepted to Tampa French festival for a play I wrote called windows. And um, I, I had not written it. I just had the idea for it. And um, if, if I had, come back to fringe and said, Hey guys, I don't think I can do this. I actually didn't make this play. Um, I don't think they would have cared at all. They would have been like, yeah, well we have your money. So peace. Um, and I, and I think, but it's like the, there's like that small knowing that like that I can, which is like annoying. And, and that's been my whole life. I've like slowly taken on things that I knew I could do in the back of my head. And then I've like gone to the next level. And for me, I'm actually a quite a small thinker, right? Like I, I only can see like the next thing in front of me. And I, and I knew like learning how to sound design um, was possible because I have YouTube. um, And I like took a class um, in a, in a DAW system that actually I didn't end up using, but I knew it was possible. And um. And there's just like a bunch of people in the world that want to teach you stuff. And for me, I mean, at the end of the day, when, when fucking sober, like when it comes to clarity of thought and like figuring out exactly, exactly, exactly what you want to say, I mean, that like does every single scene, every single thing, every single fiber about the thing to support it. And a lot of times it doesn't. And I think we can feel it fucking sober. I, the thing that was so magical for me, and, and I just really love highlighting this is that fucking sober is a story about a, a girl who tries to get sober over the course of 90 days um, or you charge her 90 days of getting sober and ev- and I knew I don't, ha- I couldn't design music and I knew I couldn't do all the voices. And so I was like, who's going to be my community around making this thing. So all of the music in fucking sober is made by people in recovery or tangential to recovery, sort of their own story in recovery. And all of the voiceover artists are in the same boat. And that to me, as soon as I knew who my community was going to be, who I was making the soup with, I was like, Oh, I'm good. And let me tell you, I chose so well, because my first draft, I was eviscerated. I, I thought I was gonna die. I, 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 didn't listen. Didn't sound the way I wanted it to sound. And the first person I played it for, was one of the musicians who had agreed to letting me use his music and pay him very little for it. And his response changed my life. I mean, I, I need, I needed uh, the tiniest kindness from a stranger, and he gave me that like, you know, times 20. And then I was like, okay, there's something here. So it wasn't right yet. It wasn't right yet. But I, but, but I, I need these witnesses because I'm too crazy by myself. I need other people.
0: Well, I also think there's something about the tiniest kindness of encouragement because you did, you set out to make something and we all need it. We all need that Early on, you need that validation to say that somebody's like, this is important. Keep going.
1: Well, and I I I like absolutely. And then the thing I want to piggyback with that is uh it's not early on for me. It's every single thing I touch. I need someone to say something nice to me. Every I find I'm embarrassed, right? Every time I do anything new, it you would think I've done it again uh and, and so i don't need this i need it i need it i need you to tell me that i look good today you know i need you to tell me that, that this is worth your while and it's just um it's really like i would love to be the type of person that doesn't need it but i do
0: well it's important to know because you know that's how you get it out in the world as you get that support from people to tell you and you keep putting it out because people reaffirm.
1: Well and and uh, the way that I do that is in a bunch of ways so like even in the development of fucking sober I, you were there for one or two of them you know yeah. i asked people to sit in a zoom with me and read or, or as i read it out loud and like people gave me really good comments and i i do think i listen listen to them but the first thing was just again like did any of you log off you know that was it can you sit there and listen to me talk for x amount of time i think it changed a lot but um yeah i just kept Forcing other people to sort of be in it with me.
0: Oh good. Um, one of my favorite questions is, "What do you think? What do you think you carry into the room today that maybe you didn't when you were starting pursuing acting?" And that's not as an actor. I just know that that's the breaking point of like I put down drugs because I wanted to do acting, and to me that means you wanted to pursue being creative.
1: I really. I am getting clearer and clearer about listening to the part of me that knows what I like um, and knows what I'm interested in. And so um, when I walk into a creative process, I have to remind myself that I have developed and honed a little bit of an opinion and, and my opinion on whether or not The work is hitting um, is is not necessarily bad. Um, So kind of the sneaking suspicion that something isn't working, even if 12 people tell me that it is, I know it's not working. And the sneaking suspicion that something is getting close to working, I even though I've sort of talked about all this stuff with the witnesses, I'm learning to trust where it's going and um and at the same time every single time i step into the room and work on a new project i'm a little overwhelmed because i know it's going to be so hard like I, I it's not like having a baby i remember how hard it is to to birth not to make the baby but to birth the baby and um and i think it actually is getting harder and harder because i'm getting more and more opinionated and more and more thoughtful um, that doesn't necessarily mean that the work is getting better, but I'm trying to get clearer, and I'm not able to get away a as away. A, I'm not able well, to get.
0: I heard somebody say, like, uh, "What, what are?" It becomes harder because our standard for what we're trying to achieve goes up, and so and it, my,
1: skill set, my skill set, my skill set hasn't gone up. So, like, my standard goes higher, and my skills are catching up. I'm constantly catching up. And that's hard it's a hard space to be in but also if i knew if i knew i could do it like in my sleep then why do it at all why do it at all
0: yeah that resonates with me
1: i know it does
0: yeah um i love it and i'm and you say that thing about you know the skill is catching up and that's the challenge. I'm going to ask, any? do you have any advice? Do you have advice to people? I mean, you've said a ton of things that are useful, but when you think about it, is there advice that you would give to somebody who's starting out in the arts? Besides, you know, don't do heroin.
1: Yeah, like don't do heroin. That's a good one. Um, I, I just sort of believe this across the board that like, listen to the part of you that think you, that thinks that you can, um, not that like, that's not the delusional part of you. Right. Um, and then sort of follow that. So like, you know, if somebody said to me, um, you know, become, you know, can you create this, uh, cartoon book or comic book? Right. Um, the answer is just no, I I don't draw. I don't know how to draw, but if I went to a good friend of mine who, uh, doodles, And I said, do you think you might be able to make this comic book like your skills in your wheelhouse? Go ahead and flex them Um, and and keep refining the skills that you're good at and continue to make them better. But there's this there's just this part of you that knows whether or not you can do it. Um, And I think you can just listen to that. It's like for you with like the marathon, like you knew that you could do it and then look for all the other signs. Don't you dare shake your head at me. You uh, knew
0: you could do it. I knew I could do it after I trained.
1: Well, that, but that's it. But there's, <laughs> but you sign up because you, there's a sneaking, there's like, there's two parts. of it. I, I, this is my argument. This is my argument.
0: You that are correct. There is the I was already running. When I signed up, I had, I was already, I like your metaphor. I just want to say that before I, you're right. Before I signed up, I didn't know I could do it. When I signed up, I had been mm. running long enough to think that's an aspiration.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's then, the, then thing. I did the training. Well, and I think it's also like, um, when you think about the things that you're able to do, I think they do have to be tangible things. So like this idea of like, I, I, I have this, you know, uh, a lot of people have, you know, awards and accolades as goals, but that has nothing to do with you. That's a byproduct of timing and all that other stuff. Um, I, that sneaking suspicion for me that I knew I needed to produce my own sound, um, or figure out how to make my own sound was very real. And I followed that and I looked for other examples to kind of justify my choices. Um, There are many weird and wild people in the world to get inspiration from. Choose your inspiration wisely. You get to be the arbiter of that. Choose the stuff that uh, pushes you forward. Um, and, And anything that allows that small whisper just to get a little bit bigger. I mean, I'm sure as you're running a marathon or, you know, right before you're about to run the marathon, you see somebody else who looks a lot like you or looks completely differently than you. And you're like, if they can do it, I can do it. That was for me for acting. That's how I started. I was like, that person's bad. I can be bad, too. I've seen lots of bad plays. I can write poorly too. I've seen really bad solo shows. Let me make a bad solo show. But from there, I think, uh, you know, again, I think it really is. Um, I, I just, I feel like a witch when I say this, but like, you know, you know, you know, and I know, you know, and when you think you can do something, employ the people to help you hire the people to help you. But I, but you can, you can do that thing. We're in a world of like, you're able to, we are, we have more access than ever. Now, how are you going to give yourself the time and the care and the love, the encouragement and all that stuff? That's hard. Um, but that, the thing that you think you can do, I think you can do. That's just it.
0: Yeah, I love that. I loved, so great. Thank you, Mac. Thank you for talking. Uh, I just loved at the end, you know, you can do it. Know that you can do it. And, you know, I think that's the biggest part because we are, that's part of the creating. You know, I just uh, didn't know how to, you know, I was going to think about, we did get to 11, the film um, of my solo show. And, you know, she, she mentioned running the marathon, but I was thinking about like, right, I didn't, I didn't know if I could make a film but I wanted to and could I raise the money could I get a team together it's like right it's an act of faith you can do it and very proud it premiered a couple of weeks ago at the Big Apple Film Festival and went great but that was something that came out of that that instinct of I'm dreaming about it you can do it and I think it's the same thing that Mac talked about with producing our podcast like Getting good people to work with, but also knowing what you can do, what you need other people for. And it was a great example of you can do it, you know, and you know what you don't do. You know, can she write a comic book? No, but her friend who doodles can, you know, who draws as an artist. I thought it was really inspiring. And her whole use of technology is inspiring and embracing that in creating art. But also just the ability of like, I would see this, I want to do this, I'm inspired by it. All right, now how do I do it? And as I think about t- taking the summer off for a little bit and imagining that our tenth year of the farm, it's like, all right, what do we need to do, and what, how do we expand? Is always an interesting question. Again, I'd love to hear from you on things. Do you think are useful? It's, I'm always uh, and and what you're creating, I will still happy to share it, support it, go to it. Very happy about successes of college collab. Um, uh, Kimberly Belfast, John Proctor's villain, won Best Production Award in D.C., and Jan Rosenberg, college college playwright, is going to the O'Neill this summer. Morgan got into grad school and will start in the fall, and I just love those successes and uh, hearing about them and happy to share them, and so, you know, want to hear what you're doing and promoting that and also hear what is useful, and with that, Check out, also check out Mac's podcast, Fucking Sober. It's it's a really great narrative of the first 90 days. The first two seasons are two different journeys, individuals, and I know that they're in the middle of producing and starting season three. But really appreciate the guest, really conversation. The last couple have been very inspiring to think about what's next. And uh, that's what the summer is for, a little little motivation, clean slate, think about it's funny, I studied this last episode thinking about operating on the school year system, what's new in the fall. And um, besides, looking forward to Dipti Rohan Cards college collab play with Shenandoah and Austin P. and Middle Tennessee. That I know is happening, and I'm thrilled for that. Um, but with that, we're out.